0: like to welcome you guys in. Hope you're having a good weekend and a, a good Sunday morning thus far. Um, we've got some family into town, and Ken, you were asking earlier, uh, what's the proper Oklahoma greeting? If it's two to three people, it's, it's hey, y'all. If it's more than that, it's all y'all. It's plural. That's the plural form of, of y'all. So all y'all, so all y'all are, are here. We took a trip yesterday over to uh, the Redwoods and to the coast, and uh, we made it back, I think, with the majority of the people we took. Uh, we had a a three-car caravan going over there, and I lost count, to be honest, of how many we had. So uh, glad that you guys are here, though. Uh, We're in a series called Antenna. We started this last week, uh, a five-part series where we're trying to learn how to to discover uh, God's will for our lives. Uh, Last week, we kind of started this series off by giving a a bit of an overview and kind of use this illustration. Ask how many of you had uh, a TV kind of like this one uh, at some point in your lives. And and most of you raised your hand and said to get to these TVs, to to be able to watch something on these, uh, you had to use those rabbit ears and you had to adjust them just right. I remember as a kid, uh, my, my grandpa gave me the, the very prestigious job of being the one to adjust them. And I thought that meant I was really important until I realized I never actually got to watch the show because I was behind the TV holding them in just the right spot so he could watch the show. But we had to use things like aluminum foil and and all these different things to put on the antenna, on the rabbit ears, to get a clear signal. And sometimes getting God's will in our lives and understanding God's will is very similar. It's fuzzy. The picture is difficult to pick up sometimes. It's not high definition like we might have today. So last week, if you missed it, I would really encourage you to, to listen on our website or podcast but here's kind of the, the gist of last week. We said God's will is discovered in Scripture three different ways. His providential will, which that's what God's going to do regardless of whether you're on board or not. Uh, Jesus came to earth one, once upon a time. And and Paul says it was at just the right time. There wasn't any prayer somebody said to make Jesus come to earth. One of these days, Jesus will come back. There's nothing I can do to make that happen faster. There's nothing I can do to make that happen at any specific time. Jesus will come back. That's God's providential will, what he's going to do regardless. And there's God's moral will. That's the sense of right and wrong that you have that we get from scripture that are things you really shouldn't have to pray about. We said, you know, You shouldn't have to say, God, is it okay for me to go punch my neighbor in the face? He's being a real jerk right now. No, that's not okay. You know that, right? There are some things that are right and wrong, and you don't have to pray about every decision that falls into that. And then in between there is what we struggle with, and that's God's personal will for our lives. And we struggle because that is unique to every single one of us. What what is my personal will for me is completely different than you. But we said that this one principle stands true, God's personal will for you is always found... Between his providential will and his moral will, and if you start understanding those two better and getting a grasp of those two better, his personal will will make more sense to you the more that you understand it, and read it. But here's kind of the problem. When we discussed this last week, God doesn't give us those black and white signs very often. I've never never get that flashing neon sign that I really need in my life. I'm, I'm dense and <clears throat> excuse me, and, and blunt, and sometimes. I just have to figure things out on my own, right? Because God's speaking in different ways, but not just that flashing red and white sign saying, hey, here's what you're supposed to do. Come do it right now. Because if God did that all the time, if God gave you complete clarity with every single thing in your life, you wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't be taking steps out into that dark, faithful area. And and faith is so important. Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 11, verse six, talks about faith this way. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And you can read all through Hebrews 11 on on what faith is all about. Hebrews 11.1, we get this great definition of what faith is. And then all through that chapter, the writer of Hebrews gives over 20 examples of people from the Old Testament using faith in God to take that next step. And they were taking a step in a direction they didn't know. They didn't recognize. They didn't understand. This was a group that never saw Jesus, but they took those steps towards him anyway. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's where it's so important because we may not get that clear picture. We may not hear that booming voice. I, I said last week, I've, I've never had that crystal ball moment. You know, I've never had that burning bush moment where I heard God's voice audibly. I've never been to a restaurant and seen Jesus' face in my burrito talking to me like some people have claimed they have had. But what we can learn is that by utilizing a few steps, we can discover God's will a little bit better. And here's kind of the big, the big idea for today. I, I normally save the big idea for the end. I'm just gonna flip it around and give it to you off the bat today because Jay said this earlier. We're talking about godly wisdom today. Here's kind of the big idea for this. While God doesn't always definitively show us what to do, he always gives us the wisdom to know what to do. He always gives us the wisdom to decide. Here's the catch with that. Sometimes he doesn't directly give it to you. He gives it to somebody else to give to you. And that's where we put our ears up a little bit. So last week, we laid the groundwork for this series, kind of talked about what God's will is and how it works and what it looks like. And and starting today and over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna look at three different avenues that we can use to help us discover God's will better. Today, what we're just gonna call the quickest way. And all three of these are important, so I don't want you to just say one's better than the other, but today's probably the quickest way. If you've got a Bible, we're gonna be in 1 Kings chapter 12, if you want to turn there, we're just going to kind of camp out there and, and read this story in First Kings 12. As you're getting there, if you've got a, a, a device or a phone, iPad, whatever, you can, you can get there as you're flipping there. First Kings is a book that's all about kings. That was funnier in first service. <laughs> it was funnier because five people laughed instead of none. First so. <laughs> Kings is a book that, that kind of tells the story of, of Israel as it starts to go down a road that it can't turn back from. You read about Saul and David in First in and Second Samuel, then 1 Kings gets into the story of Solomon, and when we're picking up today, his reign has just ended. He's died. So 120 years have passed since Israel started having kings, and this is where things really start to fall apart. But we're going to read the story of Rehoboam, who is the son of Solomon, and how he steps into a really difficult situation. And faces a spot where he needs to seek godly wisdom. So 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1 starts this way. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Okay, so again, the recap. Saul was the king of of Israel for the first 40 years. Israel wanted a king. God said, no, you don't need a king. You have me. And they said, no, all the other nations have kings. We want a king. So God, I think, gave them a king to prove to them how, how silly of a decision that was. So Saul comes in, and he rules for 40 years, and then, then he dies, and, and then David becomes the king, and he's the king for 40 years, and his son Solomon is the king for 40 years. And Solomon, especially towards the last several years of his life and his rule, was known for being very harsh. Uh, he put a lot of pressure and a lot of hard labor upon the people of Israel. So Rehoboam, his son, has now taken over this spot. And here's kind of where our story picks up. Jump down to verse four. The people of Israel tell Rehoboam, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Okay, so there, the the people of Israel are coming to him and telling him, here's something you should do. Okay, we don't like what your dad did. Here's what you should do. I'll give Rehoboam a little bit of of a leeway here. He's in a tough spot. Some of you may have stepped into a business that your parents ran once upon a time. And in your heart, you want to just keep doing it the way they did it because it's a a thing of honor, right? They built this in a certain way, and and to to deviate would dishonor them. For Rehoboam to just throw away everything his father did would dishonor his father, even though his father wasn't doing it the right way. And I've seen this, people, their, their parents will run a business and they inherit it, and it might become more profitable, but some people don't enjoy it quite so much. They say, you know, all, all they care about now is making money. When, when their dad ran and man, it was so much nicer. But Rehoboam's in a tough spot. He can keep going the way his father went to honor him. He can try to right the wrongs and risk dishonoring him. Or, or he can, can try to land somewhere in the middle here. So here's what Rehoboam does. He, he's going to listen to those around him. This is something that, that we need to pick up on today. This is what today's all about, is listening to those people around him because here's kind of a key factor with this when it comes to hearing God's will. And hearing God's word is that godly people are often a megaphone to hearing God's voice. Again, I've never specifically heard God talk to me. I've never heard his voice in my ears, but I've had conversations with people where I look back later and go, "Oh wow. That was definitely coming from God. That 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 would have never come up in conversation otherwise." And I'm not very good at catching it right off the bat a lot of times I look back at it and realize later, okay, there was a lot more to that conversation than I thought. There was a lot more in that than I was initially looking for. So godly people are often a megaphone to hearing God's voice. And what I want to do today is just give you three steps, three simple steps that we need to keep in mind when it comes to hearing God's will from godly people. Here's the first one. Never rush into anything. Now, this is difficult for some of us. So, like like me, I mean, I, I'm probably to a fault, don't rush into things. For some people, it, 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 they, they want to snap, make decisions. Here's what Rehoboam does. Look at verse 5. The people have just said, take the heavy yoke on us. Verse 5, Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. So again, I don't typically rush into things. And again, sometimes it's to a fault. I I take my time making decisions. I want to weigh the pros and cons. I want to see what all possible decisions are out there, which is the best one, which is going to wind up being, I want to get it right the first time. My wife's not always that way. She's the other way. She gets frustrated with me for, taking my time to make these decisions. Here's an example of this, Here's kind of a difference in our personalities. We were in Phoenix one time, and we're doing a service project for some folks at their yard. They couldn't take care of their yard. It was overgrown. They were getting code violations. So that we go in with a group of people to clean their yard up. And out of this whole crew, I was the only one who knew how to use the chainsaw. So I was, I was in charge of the chainsaw. Their trees were growing over the tops of their fences, and I thought I had heard the guy who was in charge say, we just need to cut those back so they don't hang over the fences. But I couldn't remember and I wanted to make sure we got it right. So I spent 10 minutes trying to track him down. And I've got the chainsaw and Jennifer kept saying, are you just gonna hold that all day or are you gonna do some work? I mean, come on, quit, quit procrastinating. Let's get after it. I said, no, I wanna make sure we do what we're supposed to do. So I, I finally, tra- this guy's name was Dan. I finally tracked him down and find out what we're supposed to do exactly. And I come back and all the trees are on the ground. They've been cut down. And Jennifer's holding the chainsaw. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I cut them down. I said, you were supposed to cut them down. We were supposed to just trim them back. She goes, well, I trimmed them way back. (laughs) And I I said, she goes, you weren't doing the job. I said, I was trying to find the right way to do the job. So there's there's, there's pros and cons, right? You got a building on fire. You don't really want somebody who's going to, well, let's see. We could do this route. You want somebody to charge in and get the people out, right? you try to solve world hunger, you probably wanna step back and evaluate your options. There's times and places for both. In Rehoboam's spot here though, he steps back because he knows this is a big decision. And every decision that we have, some should require more thought than others. In fact, I'll just say it this way, a little simple reminder here, the bigger the decision you have to make, the longer you should take to decide it. There are some things you shouldn't rush into. Some things, like like trimming trees back, that's probably not that big of a deal, right? But some things you should take your time with. So understand the gravity and the brevity of of the the decision that you have to make, and and then realize maybe how long you should take making that decision. Here's the second step you can make. You should seek the advice of godly people with experience. Seek the advice of godly people with experience. Look at Rehoboam here, verse 6. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served with his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked them. He's stepping into a difficult situation. He's not been the king before. Yeah, he's seen what his father did, but until you're in that seat, until you're in that, that role, you don't know. And so what's he do? He talks to those people who served his father, who were there bridging that transition I don't know if anybody's watched the show The Crown on Netflix, but it kind of uh, goes through the transition from when Queen Elizabeth becomes the queen, and all the stuff she has to learn of what it means to be the queen. It's not so much just putting on the crown and setting in the big seat. There's protocols that she doesn't know, even if from a princess that she doesn't know to when she becomes the king, and it's all about how she becomes this thing more than just being a person. That's what Rehoboam is doing here. He's consulting the the wisdom of those who have been there before him. Uh, When I was in in Bible college, we had a class called Leadership and Ministry. And they said, when you go to make decisions, you're able to see as far into the future as you can see into the past. So when you step into a role day one, you can't see anywhere. You weren't there before. You don't know what that church has been through. So you can't see down the road. And, And I can attest to that. When I came here my first day, I didn't know any of you guys. I didn't know the history of this church. Just people had told me little things, but I hadn't got to know this body yet and this family yet. And so the only way I could see down the future, down the road, was to get on the shoulders of the elders. Because when I got up there, then I could see in the past. When I got up there, I could see behind me, and that let me see down the road. So I consulted those guys and and surrounded myself with those guys who helped me make those decisions. Here's Ray of He's day one of trying to start making decisions, and and he wants to really just, I think, flex his muscle and show, hey, I can be the king. I can do this job just as well as my father. And I think what he understands is his father wasn't somebody who was opposed to this. Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived, and yet Solomon sought out advice. Look in Proverbs chapter 10, he says, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. In other words, wisdom is found on those who are trying to figure out the right way to do things. Or or Proverbs 15, verse 22, he says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So let me ask you this. What plans do you have in your life that you really need to step back and and, and talk to some older folks on? And by older folks, I don't necessarily mean those that, that are senior citizens. I I try to go somebody just a step ahead of me in life. So maybe somebody whose kids are in high school. That's who I'm going to ask parenting advice from. Because they were just in my shoes one step ago. And then I can go down the road another step when I've got a bigger question for somebody in that phase of life. So I don't always just immediately go to my parents and and people in that age bracket. Sometimes it's just that next age bracket up. And you just kind of climb that ladder depending on what you need to help, uh, help figuring out. But some simple areas where we are often not good at seeking advice, are things like marriage. I think back to, to around the time that Jennifer and I were getting married, my, my brother and his wife were getting married around that time, and his friends were getting married around that time, and guess who we asked for marriage advice? Each other. None of us had a clue what we were talking about, right? Like, we can give each other advice, but we've been married, what, a month? You know, we've got it figured out. But that's what we do. We often consult our friends and our peers who think we all have it figured out more than everybody else. Uh, we, we bought our first house, and, and we bought it in, yeah, out of a, of a foreclosure sale. So we went to an auction to buy it, and it was super cheap, but I'd never spent anything anywhere close to that amount of money in my life, right? And it was one of those auctions, right? So as soon as you say, I want to bid this, you're in. You're not backing out of that. And the bank made the opening bid, and it was down to the penny. And I looked at Jennifer, and I said, should I, should I bid? She's like, yeah, I bid. I mean, it was obvious. Like, I shouldn't have to o- overthink this, right? And they, I, I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll bid this, and I just went up to the next thousand. And the bank just stepped back and said, okay. And, and the sheriff said, okay, sold. And I'm like, what did we just do? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? We just bought a house. Like, in, in three seconds, we just bought a house, okay? When we moved here, we were looking at different houses. We were considering moving here you know, we were, we were weighing all of those pros and cons, and I remember after getting an offer from the elders, I think it was a week before I came back and said yes, and it wasn't that I had to talk myself into it. It was that I wanted to make sure, this is a major life decision. We were moving across the country, and I want to make sure this is the right thing, that this is what God has in store for me, where he wants me to be. Let me ask you this question. Who do you think struggles the most in this? when it comes to seeking godly advice from experienced people, who do you think struggles the most? Here's some options. People under 25, people over 60, top-level leaders, CEOs, pastors, the very wealthy, or it's a trick question. Throw some answers out here. I want to know. Who do you think struggles the most here? That's not an option. All the above is not an option. Pick one. (laughs) It's not really a trick question. It is kind of all the above, though. (laughs) And you you can look through this list, and you can find reasons why. Okay, let's look at those under 25, and and we'll just use the M word. We'll just say the millennial term. I was there once, right? We all were. When you're in that bracket, you're out of high school, you're getting out of college, you've got it all figured out. You don't want to hear from people. You want to step out and try on your own. I'll I'll give you that. Over 60, been there, done that, right? Don't need your advice, 35-year-old pastor. You keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Top-level leaders. Honestly, I think number three might be the the answer for me. And maybe that's because that's where I'm at, because I don't apply on those first two, and I certainly don't apply on number four. But number three, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm the leader on top of this organization. Here's why I think this is tough for me. It's not an arrogance thing. It's. I don't really want to admit that I don't have it all figured out. I don't like showing weakness, and when you ask for advice and ask for help, sometimes it's like I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me, and nobody wants to look like that. It, it's. It's tough. It's tough to say I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> for for me, when it, when I have to seek advice from people, a lot of times the ones I'm calling. Are other pastors who have been here and done that and say, okay, I'm falling flat on my face right now. What did you do when you fell flat on your face? It's tough. I think every one of those is tough for for different reasons why. But we should all get into that spot where we are continuing to seek godly advice from people. I'll tell you this for me. One of the best sources of godly advice for me is my wife. I teased her earlier about chopping down all the trees, but I think a godly spouse is one of the most important people you can have. And here's why. Anytime I'm talking to young people about getting married, one of the things I ask them is, where's their faith? Where's their heart? Not because I'm trying to judge where they're at, but because I want that person to make sure this is somebody you can trust 100%, not from a fidelity standpoint, not from a faithfulness standpoint, but to help you get through life. Jennifer and I ask each other everything. We bounce decisions off each other. I mean, decisions we probably shouldn't even ask each other. We, we do. Because we want to make sure that we are on board of everything that we do. We, we do everything as a unit. And, and if, if that's not an option for you, maybe you're not married. Maybe, maybe you're younger and not married. A godly parent is a good person to ask. And there's a catch to this. Make sure you can ask a godly parent who stays objective. Because sometimes your parents want you, the best for you so much they'll tell you yes when they shouldn't. And, and this is big for me. This is my mom for me. I, I can ask my mom anything. More than my, my dad, more than my step-parents, I can ask my mom because she has the ability to stay emotionally invested but objective. And, and even with, with marital stuff sometimes, I don't like running to my parents with, with, with any kind of marital issues because I don't want them to take sides. That's not what I'm trying to do. My mom has the ability to unplug and stay objective and say, you need to get your act together. She's got that ability. And, and, and not choose sides, not pick sides there. So know who you can trust, because that's a key part of getting advice, is knowing who you can trust, because they're going to tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. And they're really good at knowing when you need to hear it. That's an important part there, too. Look at verse 7. Rehoboam has stepped away for a few days. He, he's He's asked the elders what he should do, and here's what they reply in verse 7. If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. That's, that's their answer. He seeks the counsel of those wise people who served under his father, and this is what they tell him. But he doesn't listen. And that's step number three. Here's step number three. This is the hardest one to hear. Step number three to seeking godly advice from experienced people is that you need to swallow your pride if what you hear differs from what you want to do. And I'll be very honest with you. I struggle with this. I doubt I'm the only one, but I struggle with this. Rehoboam doesn't do it. Look at verse eight. Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and we're serving him. Now, I want to make a a caveat here, because this is kind of speaking to me. Just because people are young doesn't mean they don't have good advice to give. But what Rehoboam does here, it's not that he rejected the, the old people for the young people, it's that he rejected those who were experienced and bridged that gap to listen to those who were yes men. He listened to his buddies instead. And far too often, your buddies give you advice. Your peers give you advice with the best of intentions, but they can't see past where you're at right now. They can't see down that road. They haven't been there because they're the same age as you. They haven't gone through those things in a lot of cases. And that's what happens in this case here. And as you read through the rest of 1 Kings, you read through the rest of this chapter, Israel is never the same again. Because what Rehoboam does is he basically says, you think my father was hard on you guys? Guess what? It's about to get a little tougher. Toughen up, buttercup. I mean, he comes after him. He cracks the whip. He increases their weight. He increases their burden. And what happens? Ten of the 12 tribes of Israel split off and create a new nation. And, and the other two are on their own, and eventually all of them are overtaken and overrun. And they become captives in their own land. They get conquered and overtaken. And the rest of first and second kings are all about the kings that are mostly bad, some good but mostly bad, continuing to run further and further away from God, rejecting God more and more. And then you read the prophets, it's all about these prophets begging these people to come back and listen to God and they don't do it. Here's a little little story for me. Swallowing so your pride and, and doing and hearing what you don't want to do and hear is hard. My first year of coaching uh, we, we weren't very good. I, mean, we, I was with a group of girls who hadn't even played soccer very much. Most of them hadn't played in their whole lives. And I had one girl who was just an absolute star. I mean, she was one of the best athletes I have ever seen in my life. And she's surrounded by a group that's just terrible. And I remember being so frustrated because I, I couldn't get him to, to click, and I couldn't get him to figure out. And my former coach came up to me. He's one of those guys, he had earned that trust. He could come up and say whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and he knew that, that I was going to listen and he grabbed me after a game one day, and he, he saw that I was just, I was toast. I mean, we we're like five games into the season, and I was like, man, I'm done, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm just running this team in the ground, and he goes, you gotta make a decision. Are you gonna get really upset that they can't get better, or are you gonna try, try to make it fun for him? And I'd never, ever expected to hear those words out of his mouth, because when I played for him, it was perfection. He demanded perfection all the time, and we were good. We were making the playoffs every year, we were making runs in the playoffs every year, he demanded perfection, but that's because he knew he could get it from us. He knew I couldn't get it from them. And it wasn't because of me, it was just the whole situation. He said, you got to make sure that they're having fun, or they're going to quit on you. So I went back the next day and said, girls, here's, here's the thing. I said, I don't care if we win X number of games this year. I don't care if we make the playoffs. Here's my question for you. Three questions. Number one, are you trying your hardest? Number two, are you getting better today? Are you better today than you were yesterday? Number three, are you having fun? I said, those those are our three goals. If we can't get to the end of the season and say yes to those three goals, we failed. I don't care what our record is. And that was hard for me, because I'm I'm competitive. I hate losing. But we had to to do that. I didn't want to hear Coach Dave tell me that. Didn't want to hear him tell me, I don't worry about winning. What coach wants to hear that, right? But it changed my perspective. And it changed it for the better. Because the rest of the season, I mean, we, we still weren't great. We wound up winning a few games, but I was a little more relaxed. I was a little more laid back. I was able to kind of approach things a little bit differently. Here's the tough thing. And here, here's where I want to kind of wrap this up today. Because when it comes to getting that advice and seeking that advice, you have to make yourself available to it. But you have to know where you're looking for it, too. So here's kind of a personal challenge for you this week. What area of your life is it that you really need to hear God's will this week? What area is it? Maybe you're, you're looking at a job change. You've got another opportunity out there, and, and there's, it, it, it might be a good job, but there's just a lot of doubt. You don't know. There's a lot of, lot of don't know, there's a lot of questions about it. Maybe it's a family situation. You've got a person in your family who is is tough and you're struggling to deal with that person and you're like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle the situation. Uh, there's a, a health scare and you don't know the best course of action. You don't know which path to th- whatever the situation is, whatever the decision you have to make is, you're like, I have no clue how to make this. God, just tell me what's next. Tell me what I need to do. What area is it? And I highlighted that word for a reason. What area do you need to hear it? Not what area do you want to hear it. What area do you need to hear God's will for your life? Because here's the question that it's going to lead to. And this is what I want you to take away from it this week. Who's one person you're going to seek godly advice from this week to help you in that area of need? When well, you can answer that first question, then ask yourself the second question. Who is one person that I will seek godly advice from this week to help me in that area that I need? Again, we've got... Three avenues to try and figure out God's will. This is the first, and I think this is the quickest. And here's kind of the thing for me. Here's kind of how how, how I approach this myself. Often, these are conversations that seem completely random and completely casual. I I don't have somebody come up to me going, God told me to uh, speak to you this week, so here's what I want you to write down. People actually do that, and normally that's a sign, okay, God probably didn't speak to you and tell me to write this down, but go ahead. But usually it's a conversation I have with somebody, and and something just sticks out to me going, how did you even know I needed to hear that? Because often that person didn't. People will tell me that all the time, like I don't know what I said, but something I said stuck out to them. Because God used me to say something, and I, I don't even know what it was, but they heard it. They needed to hear it that way. So make yourself available on both ends of that spectrum. But here's the other thing too you have to be careful just going up and just giving advice to people all the time. Because the more advice you give all the time, sometimes people start to tune it out. I know for me, I try to not overbear people. I try to come to people when, when I just think that, that there's really important something that, that I want to talk to them about, or maybe that, that, that they've been asking me about. I tend to step back and let somebody else initiate that. Try not to force mentorship on somebody kind of thing. So who's a person you can seek out? You can be the instigator of that, and you can go seek out advice from them. You can go ask them their opinion. Because if you can do that, you're getting on the quickest on-ramp to understanding God's will for your life. Make sure you're here next week, because next week we're going to talk about the clearest on-ramp and the clearest picture for understanding God's will for your life. Let's pray. Father, we are are so thankful that you, you do let us know your will, and you do want us to know your will that you're a good father. And God, we, we know that your will is always within your word. That you're gonna speak to us and you're gonna do it in a variety of ways. But God, your will is always in accordance with your word. So God, I just pray right now that wherever we're at, whatever decisions are in front of us, whatever we need to talk about and decide, God, we may not see that next step, we may not see where our foot is coming down, but Lord, you would give us the faith and the courage to take that step anyway, knowing that you're there with us. God, I just pray all across this room that you would give us peace. God, that you would use us to speak to others. You would allow us to open our ears to hear from others. God, I I know for myself, that's something I struggle with so much. So God, I just ask that you would allow us to humble our hearts. Because God, it's only with a humble heart that we can get to this quick on-ramp and hear from you. God, I ask whatever step is in front of us that we need to take next, you would let us take that step. God, as we continue to go out and do your will in in the world. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.